This is the Water Foresight Podcast powered by the Aqualaris Group, where we anticipate, frame, and shape the future of water through strategic foresight. Joining us today is the Honorable Robert Dawson. During Mr. Dawson's career, he has held senior positions at the White House, the Defense Department, and on Capitol Hill. Specifically, Mr. Dawson has been involved in the reform of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers selection and funding processes for its water projects. Mr. Dawson, welcome to the Water Foresight Podcast. It's great to have you here today. Thank you, Matt. It's good to be with you. Mr. Dawson, you have a long and storied career working in the the realm of federal water policy across different agencies, Congress. We want to talk today about your thoughts on the future of the federal government's relationship with water. And we could probably talk for days on that. My first question is, how has water permitting changed over your career? Thank you, Matt. And again, it's good to be with you. Uh, When I came to Washington in 1972, uh, by accident, in a way, I became involved with uh, federal water policy. 1972, of course, is when the Federal Water Pollution Control Act was first passed and it became the Clean Water Act uh, uh, years later. But that uh, act uh, dealt with a brand new EPA that the Congress really didn't know or trust yet. The Corps of Engineers had been around since the Revolutionary War, and so the the program, the so-called Federal Regulatory program for wetlands and streams and navigable waterways was given more to the Corps than to EPA, but EPA had a definite role because the Congress wanted this new agency to to count. And uh, it was interesting to be able to see that uh, and that that growth of the two agencies uh, having to deal with each other. And of course, the amount of water on the planet, 320 million cubic miles of water is never gonna change. It was that much in 72, and it'll be that much 50 years from now. And so the, the, the challenge is how do we take better care of that water? And uh, during the course of those, my career, I had the opportunity to work on the Hill for a member representing a port city and a, a huge water, a river as well. Then later the committee, the then called House Public Works is Transportation and Infrastructure now that had jurisdiction over these programs. And then later uh, to uh, move to the executive branch to head the Army Corps of Engineers as a political appointee and then to go to the White House and have not just the Corps, but EPA and Interior and Agriculture uh, responsibilities there. So to see those changes, which have really centered on, I think, taking better and better care of our limited water supply uh, has certainly been a, a, a joy and a, a treat. You've uh, That's pretty amazing. You've seen it from multiple perspectives and angles over the last several decades. What in, in that vein, what, what do you think has been the most unanticipated 
change in federal water permitting over the last 40 years? Something that you, you, did, not, you did not anticipate. Another good question, Matt. I would say far and away, it's the computerization of things. The, uh, and everybody has benefited from having so much more information available. And instead of a, a, a room full of file cabinets uh, to, mm-hmm. you, to be able to go to the computer and look at a piece of property that's evolved over eons and uh, to have that available to our policy makers and the policy implementers uh, has been a uh, really amazing uh, improvement. And I would say that's been something back in the 70s, we just had no clue was coming. Yeah, I, I, I've kind of lived through that transformation. It's interesting how technology has really uh, impacted the ability of the agencies you mentioned to uh, uh, dramatically advance the permitting and the enforcement and the, and the remediation programs that they oversee. Is that fair? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well summarized. My, my next question is, when you uh, look out from your vantage point, having all of this experience, what do you see as the three biggest potential changes to the federal water permitting, uh, I'll call it a regime, different agencies, but what do you see as the three biggest potential changes to the federal water permitting regime over the next 10 to 20 years, if you were to look out? Matt, I think the, uh, I'm going to sound like a a repeater here, but I think it's the the truth that uh, the technology is going to continue to change, and that'll be number one, two, and three. Uh, For example, the satellite uh, technology that's coming on fast that will help not only identify a wetland that may be worthy of federal regulation, but uh, to evaluate the value, the worthiness of that particular 20 acres or 200 acres, uh, and to do it. Uh, the, the old test used to be if, uh, if the landowner's lawyer walked out onto the property and his wingtips got wet over the holes of the wingtip <laughs> shoes, it was a wetland. And now you can really bring uh, so much of that technology to bear and, and the, the agencies can share it with each other and, and the environmental groups, the uh, pro-development uh, entities can all uh, make use of that to make their arguments hopefully more substantive and less emotional Uh, Because when you get into property rights and you get into the public interest and you have climate change and all the things that people talk about, it's it's really hard to come to a decision that doesn't make everybody want to go to the nearest courthouse and sue the pants off each other. So uh, I I think uh, rather than three biggest changes. I think, again, it's how do we harness the available technology to get the best decisions that the taxpayers 
uh, ought to have. And, and of course, it's the taxpayers that are paying for all of this, and it's their land ultimately and their public interest that we uh, need to be focusing on. Interesting. I agree. Technology continues to move forward. Do you think that over the next 10 to 20 years, there will be any change in the ongoing federal-state relationship uh, that we've seen over the years as, as, as it pertains to water permitting? I, I think so. I think the technology makes some of that uh, undeniable, but also I think the unpleasantness of not getting along is really important. I think the all across our land now, people are too quick to scream at each other. And that is that makes a career in public service very unenticing and unenjoyable. And I think there will be a growing desire to get along and to uh, work together. And whether that means moving more authority to some states, maybe it does, and in other states, less authority there. But for people to be able to... Uh, to get along better and, and show the taxpayers that they're not uh, slinging epithets at each other, but rather uh, having an eye on the public interest and, and identifying the public interest basically the same way. How to get there may be different from a state or federal or local uh, perspective, but it's so important to uh, make that work more pleasant because it's hard work for those public servants. And if they're uh, willing and able to, uh, to accommodate each other even a little bit better, uh, it'll, it'll make for a good change. Yeah, I've, I've uh, been a public servant and I know, I know what you're talking about. And it, it is um, often not necessarily, a, I'll call it a bilateral challenge. It's often trilateral where you have a perhaps a state or federal public servant having to deal upstream or downstream with their counterparts in the federal or state government. But then also you've got the regulated community um, where you've you've got uh, perhaps different interests and you have to juggle and balance those interests, uh, not only with your federal or state partner, but also the regulated community that may have a completely different opinion. Um, you may be in a room talking about, uh, as you put it, is the land a wetland, right? Are my wingtips dirty? <laughs> and you may be in the room and have three different opinions about the nature of that particular parcel. Um, are you, in summary, the optimist? Do you see those relationships getting better? Or do you see them becoming uh, perhaps uh, more charged? I mean, environmental issues can be uh, quite challenging. And uh, do, you, do you see them getting better? Matt, that's a, a, another good question. I, I do. I think for one reason, as I mentioned in passing, it's just not enjoyable work if you're uh, looking over your shoulder, whether you're in the Congress working or you're in the executive branch, state, federal, local, uh, the work is, is arduous enough, and if you add to that 
uh, a layer or two of distrust and, and upset, it's even harder. And, and I, I'm, I, I think it's going to get better just because people want to live in a fairly harmonious situation, whether it's in their community, in their church, or, or their workplace. And so that's a, that's a huge uh, human uh, incentive, I think. And, and I'm, I'm impressed, by and large, with the people that the Biden administration is, is bringing in. I was part of the uh, Reagan administration. I worked for Democrats when I was on the Hill. And uh, water policy over the years has tended to be bipartisan. Uh, and, and I think it can go back to that. Uh, but it's going to take some hard work. But the, the people that will be heading the EPA and Corps of Engineers and Fish and Wildlife Department of Interior programs, I'm impressed with the experience they bring. Uh, they, like you, have worked in the vineyards and, and they uh, know what it's like to go home at night, more concerned about that so-and-so at the other agency than about yeah. the, uh, the work product uh, that's so important to the country. So uh, I, I think the, the leadership is there, the opportunity is there, and hopefully we're just all going to get sick and tired of throwing rocks at each other. Yeah. This may be an easy question for you, but when you look at the types of activities that you've worked on as an organization and, and helped your clients uh, succeed, uh, it, is it always your uh, interest in helping clients uh, engage the federal water policy world in a proactive manner as opposed to a reactive manner? Now we have to clean up this mess or we have to fight this fight or address this problem. Um, do you tend to take a more proactive approach? Let's look at what we see coming down the highway, whether it's from the executive branch, from Congress, or even the judicial branch. What is your take on that? I think as a government uh, advocacy or lobbyist, uh, the term people sometimes shy away from, uh, but that, that advocacy is needs to be done, of course, with the client's interests in mind, but we, we serve, we think, a very important role to educate the client about what's doable and how to get there from where they stand when we start talking and where they want to go and how best to do that involving the Congress, involving the executive branch, involving public relations. Uh, that that process and and when we when you have the experts uh, in the firm as we do that wrote the law and wrote the regulations and that understand the constraints and what's achievable what's not achievable and and generally there's some coaching too on uh, each meeting that we're about to have and how to conduct that meeting with an executive uh, branch agency or on the Hill to get the best result. And we rehearse those meetings and giving a client a sense of reality and what are, what is the person we're lobbying, uh, 
what's their point of view and what, what are their needs uh, that need to be accommodated as well. Uh, all of those things are part of a responsible approach that I think really helps uh, the, the client understand that while it's their government, and that's the most important point, the government belongs to them, there are also countervailing points of view that have to be accommodated and can be accommodated and still reach their objectives. One final question, and you'll like this one, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that you are, and pick a role, you know, you're the president for a day, you're the EPA administrator for the day, you're the head of the Corps for a day. And if you look out to the things that you see on the landscape 10 to 20 years ahead, what is the, what is the one thing, if you had to pick a hat to wear, what, was, what would be the one thing that you would do differently or change, add, or eliminate to this federal water policy or federal water permitting world um, uh, in your new role? Wow, that's a that's an important uh, question. I I think the uh, the biggest thing I would assemble the people that worked for me in any of those posts and uh, indicate that trust their their trust of their colleagues, uh, their citizens that they work for, uh, that the trust that they have for other agencies, for the citizenry that, that I want to make sure they're graded on how much they work to trust. And that doesn't mean blind trust, but a trust that, that leads to cooperation. It's amazing how much time is lost in government because of lack of trust. The Congress sends over 200 questions because they don't trust an agency. Hmm. And uh, you spend uh, hours and days answering those questions. And uh, the and two agencies will go back and forth. I know when I was uh, head of the Corps, the, there was a ju- federal judge in New York that made us report every conversation about a particular permit action. And that uh, not only chills the flow of information and cuts off a lot of the needed interplay, uh, it's just a burdensome thing. And a lot of uh, public interest, public service has to be abandoned because there are only so many hours in the day. Mm. And if you're spending half of those days uh, with people looking over your shoulder because you don't they don't trust you and you usually don't trust them back. So I think that would be the, uh, the biggest thing more than any single policy or any uh, particular law or reg change. I would just have a way of judging are people really working on trusting each other? And if they're not, it ought to cost them. If they are, it ought to reward them. That's a great. Uh, uh, that's a great observation. You uh, you sense that there may be a little bit of lack of trust between uh, all these different parties, not just uh, you know regulated organizations uh, uh, and the government, but also between different government 
agencies and even branches of government. Um, that's a pretty interesting perspective. Um, and I think you're right. Uh, perhaps trust will be uh, the vehicle for improved decision-making for uh, uh, more uh, agreements that can come out on uh, issues that may appear to be uh, more contentious than they need to be. And when you have trust, uh, I think you can find uh, greater agreement. And as you pointed out at the beginning, um, how can we better protect uh, uh, our water resources and maybe trust ultimately uh, may be the vehicle for achieving those objectives going forward. So good. Well, Mr. Dawson, I want to thank you for being a guest on the Water Foresight Podcast. It's been a privilege to talk to you today and tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you at Dawson and Associates. Well, thanks, Matt. And this has truly been a, a fun and, and interesting to me. And uh, your questions were right on, on point. The, we're uh, in Washington, D.C., Dawson and Associates and our website, or we're on Facebook, we're on all of the other things that I usually don't name accurately, <laughs> but uh, you can find us there and we'd love to hear from you uh, as a potential client, but also just to hear from you if you have uh, points you'd like to raise about Matt's good questions and, and my uh, effort to uh, respond. But thank you again, Matt, for the chance to uh, be part of this. It was very interesting for me and uh, we'll look forward to uh, a good year. And, and uh, now that we're able to travel more, all of us to communicate even better and good day to you. Thank you for listening to the Water Foresight Podcast powered by the Aqualaris Group. For more information, please visit us at aqualaris.com or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. 